Well, this morning I was, uh, I, I spoke at a conference. Well, not this morning, today. And uh, I had a late night uh, dinner situation in London. So I, I booked myself a 7.25 a.m. flight from uh, City Airport there in London to Amsterdam. Yeah. And I want to get, uh, you know, you two, both of you travel enough, and definitely, Matt, you travel enough, that you could give me some advice here. Is So I have the 7.25 a.m. flight, right? Now, I, I'm flying out of uh, London City Airport, which is like, it's, it's a, as I was, I, I had lunch with James Governor uh, last week, and as I said to him, it's a total shithole, but it's a great airport. Because it's very convenient and small, like it's not like I don't even know about that airport. I mean, oh, it's, it's, well, not, it's not Gatwick, right? It, no, no, this is a pre-recommendation recommendation for you. If you find yourself in London and you want to fly to uh, the continent to Europe, yeah. you should you should try to do it through uh, City Airport. Huh. I think I think the cool kids say City Airport, but London City Airport is it's fantastic. Like. Just why? Now, because it's so much closer, easy in and out kind of thing. It's it's more or less easier to get to to, to Heathrow. That's kind of a, a, a is this toss like a up. Dallas Love Field versus DFW yeah, yeah, for yeah. the American audience. Yeah, and and it's it's like here here's the thing that's going to blow y'all's mind about it. There is no like priority line at security. There's just a security line that everyone goes in, and it's still it has never taken me more than like eight or ten minutes to get through the security line. It's just like a magic little airport, a total shithole. That now they, they are like, they are. Uh, I've been there a few times recently. They are renovating it inside, so maybe mm-hmm. after this renovation, it'll be it'll be wonderful. But it's very convenient. It's it's one of those airports where you walk on the tarmac to uh, to get to your flight, and then you can smell the 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 uh, the, the wafting the the lovely scent of jet fuel. That's like uh, every Australian airport except for <laughs> except for like. Uh, uh sydney and melbourne so anyways i found the ideal hotel for it there's a courtyard you know marriott courtyard that is a seven minute walk from the front door of the hotel to the airport maybe eight whatever and i still couldn't figure out the optimal time to get up for the flight right like based on everything i've said you're going to get to security let's say max 20 minutes right and then uh it's going to be eight minute walk from the hotel what time do you get up matt ray um, probably I, I need about 25 minutes to get ready. Oh, wow. And get out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so you we're, we're looking at maybe like you're, you're going to get up at six. Oh, I no, get, no. I go no, 630. I, I, probably 630. Kota. Wait, 630 what? for a 725 flight. Oh, 725. No. Oh, okay. Then probably 545. 545. Okay. What'd okay. you go? I, I went for the 530. So I think uh, it just seems so absurd, but like, and then and then the kicker was so I got up at five thirty. I kind of stare and contemplate my life. I say, "That's one does at that time." I can probably have a a, a cup of coffee now. The courtyards, uh, they're the types of uh, 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 that's the class of hotel in Europe that you get the little tubes of of uh, dry coffee that you reconstitute, which. Yep. You know, you do what you got to do in this life. But isn't this whole thing the variation on the old, um, I don't know, personality test? It's like there's just like two types of people, like those who get to the airport earlier and those who yes. want to be walking on. And it's like, and to translate that, my belief is something like it's just like how you manage like stress and anxiety in your life. Like, is it mm. more stressful or more or like maybe stress? Yeah, stressful 
anxiety inducing to kind of be rushed and feeling like you're going to miss the flight. So therefore you're on the earlier side, or is it such a burden and frustration and, um, you know, just like general unrest of waiting for an airplane plane, like really like upset you. Right. And it's like, that's it. Like you just like pick you like, which personality I, I think, I think that's, that's, that's exactly the analysis there. Right. Like I, I don't really mind waiting for the, for the plane. Yeah. Like that's how I always feel like I never like, if I'm there for an hour, I'm just like popping a podcast. Have, have you ever missed a plane? I have missed one. I've missed one. Oh, that was due to my own prop, like my own, like getting yes, to that issue. I've, I've missed one because I was in the lounge and they didn't announce. <laughs> oh, well, that's, well, that, see, that has that when the airport. Uh, wow. That's luxury missing. <laughs> well, I, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll say it was luxury. <laughs> I, I think, I think I missed a couple of flights that are adamant about like, if they have to be at the airport, if they're not like literally walking on, they, it's very uncomfortable. Like it's, I guess it's frustrating, I guess for them. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like, hopefully, hopefully you, you marry into a family or you and your family come to some arrangement that is uh, satis, uh, satisfies everyone. Otherwise that, that can be for some, some long airport waits. Well, so I, I, I followed uh, y'all's advice, you know, as if I traveled into the future and I know what you would say, but I kind of I put the consensus plan into effect. And so I wake up and, uh, you know, I, I think for a little bit and then I, I look at my phone and my flight has been canceled. Oh. And uh, but but thankfully, you know, Kalem, they're, they're generally pretty good at this stuff. They had moved me to an 840 flight. Oh, that's okay. not too bad. And so, you know, I sat there for a little bit. I was thinking, like, do I go back to sleep? And, of course, I just stayed up and, yeah. uh, you know, enjoyed my coffee. But it was uh, – I could have slept for a little bit longer. So to quickly That's contrast it. some stories from the past few weeks, Kote had to wait an extra hour to fly from London to <laughs> Matt Ray took 60 hours with, I don't know, 10-hour-plus layovers multiple times to fly from Amsterdam and a half. Yeah. to uh, a Sydney. So there you go. I mean, like – Who's who's to say who had it harder? I don't know. We'll I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think City Airport serves Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Sydney Airport. It's City Airport. But yeah, that's uh, so. So that's what we've learned. You always what? What do we look about two hours before boarding? You, you got to get up and and uh, so you can be there. I'll I'll have to follow that next time. Uh, but it was it was uh, once we got going, it was an enjoyable flight. Uh, well, speaking of enjoyable flights, it seems like. I, I wanted some help from you two uh, reading through this. Now, there was uh, – uh, I forget if we, we went over this uh, last week, but there was like a, a $65 million, uh, a year Datadog customer. Uh, and I think there was some mystery of, of, of who that was. Now, I I kind of read through uh, some of the, uh, the write-ups of it and stuff, and I still haven't figured out like how you would go about spending $65 million. I didn't go make a spreadsheet of the pricing for Datadog stuff. But like, is it is it like is it even possible to have that many computers that you're monitoring? <laughs> well, I think this headline um, makes the case for consumption based pricing. You know, the idea of like, okay, should you be seat based or consumption based? And I've always kind of felt like I don't know, consumption based. I've never really, I never preferred it. And then now whoa, that whoa, 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 you're saying it makes the case as the vendor or the customer the vendor okay, like, <laughs> this is the reason and i kind of joked about like every company monitoring company in the world is like updating their deck right about like well this is why you start new monitoring companies a and then two this is why you do consumption-based pricing is that like i mean i think to your i don't even know you asked this question because they're going to answer it anyway it's sort of like do you need to monitor like this surely no but like once it's all set up and it's going right it's just like 
unless someone's on top of it, you know, kind of Matt, you can probably talk to this around the pricing or like you've got some type I think of this was negotiated though. I don't, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, this whole thing about like, this wasn't like, like a surprise bill, you know, this did, this didn't happen to Coinbase and, you know, somebody was like, yeah, that, oh, that no, makes it even yeah. worse to me. It's like, I don't know. They went in, they're like, yep. Actually, you you know we feel like sixty five million is like what was it? But but you know y'all like should be at you you two worked in uh, monitoring or as we say now observability for a, a lot longer than I did. And Brandon, you were in product. I mean, like mm-hmm. like what would you even be buying? Like, is it are well, we talking about like monitoring me, ten thousand machines or something? Yeah, the way it works. I mean, I don't know. Well, maybe we should get somebody on from Datadog, like. And- refresh our uh, memories or they could sponsor the podcast again always you know contact me if they're interested uh, but more importantly it's like you know really what it is it's like it's just based on the number of parameters and the frequency right for all the different things that they can monitor right so it's like it's not and, and it's not the, overly the, complicated to understand how it works and it's just like hey if you want more stuff and more data points they're going to charge you more and then I you see. know and you know and normally it's like you know because there used to be kind of like just and then there gets into I think Datadog's actually doing it at the parameter level. Like, you know, I've been in places, you know, we've been in places together too, where we sort of did it at like a server level. It was like, okay, well, uh-huh. you know, you can just like this package, like this this group of parameters or, or metrics, you know, like of 10, that's like a base package. We're not gonna do it. But as I recall, Datadog had it down to like pretty granular, right? And I think that's what people wanted. Right? And I think that was some one of the things they liked was just like I can just pick exactly what I want. And also the, the pitch from Datadog is like, hey, just pick what you want to monitor, right? Like we're not, we'll charge you just on exactly what you want. Here's the list pricing, right? I'm sure to Matt's point, sounds like they negotiated some type of, I guess it's not an ELA because I think an ELA is sort of like, you know, all fixed costs. Yeah. It's just sort of like maybe a pre-negotiated set of discounts. I mean, 65 so million, you're thinking you're getting a percentage of the company in your ELA. Well, I just, yeah, I mean, that's why this is so crazy. I mean, I even put a note in here, like at 65 million for the year, it's like, well, how much is it down? How I mean, this is one of the rare cases I'll ever ask this question. Like, well, how much is a few minutes of downtime? Like, is it really costing you six? I mean, when you start to do the math, it's like maybe you should just let the site go down. I mean, it's like and just work on it that way, right? Uh, just, I, but I think I, I I think I saw the calculation with the the amount of volume that they were moving. It was something like twelve million an hour. Okay, so and that's but that's in uh, trades, right? That's not in I don't know. Is that in commissions? Maybe, or trades? yeah, maybe it was in trades. Maybe. I don't know. It was it was, it was a substantial volume where they were like, you know, this this is a high risk thing. If you know, if if paying, I think the numbers I saw were smaller though. They were like, you know, mm-hmm. if paying six million saves you twelve million, then you know, do it. Um, but sixty five million. Case, that's I mean, a lot this of nines. Means- want to rethink everything I've ever thought I knew about monitoring. Like one is like, what is the NASDAQ paying per year? Like, or, or Dow Jones, I mean, whoever, like certainly these guys aren't paying the same level, right? Because the reason we should mention this came up is this was literally called out in the earnings uh, of Datadog where they, they basically alluded to like, they had this really large company going forward. It's not going to be like that. I mean, that's how big this was. This was like one yeah. number Actually, and I, I've never heard of that. I've never heard like I've never heard someone like, oh, the Nasdaq had a huge set of volumes this week, and they actually like the the monitoring actually showed up on the vendors' uh, earnings, right? Like, I, mm. so so this just I don't. I mean, I just want to know so much more. Like, I feel just feel like this could be like a little <laughs> two hour podcast. Like, what were they doing? What did they maybe, negotiate? How maybe, much? Like, maybe as maybe as you're getting to what they were doing is. 
basically they were using it's kind of like a like a Star Trek transporter situation. They were using Datadog to more or less create a replica of every single server every five minutes. And and like if you pulled all the parameters and all the value every five minutes and you're kind of just like creating these these uh not virtual, but you're just you're replicating your servers and then they stored that data for like three months to five years. Right. And so then that just like racked things up. Now why yeah, you would go about the, doing this that. This is one of the rare cases like where I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is what I would say. Like if someone walked in with a bill like this, I'd be like, Well, we're just gonna build our own. Like it's sixty five yeah. million. Like, yeah, we're going to just build our own system. It actually makes sense for us to take that money, build our own systems. That's exactly the way we want it. And we can do this for a lot less. I mean, entire companies have been bought, built and sold for less than the $65 million. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's why this, this sum is like staggering to me. Right. I I mean, the the number is probably around if you're, if your cloud, if your monitoring bill is hitting like three or 4 million, you're talking about, you know, you're staffing eight people with, you know, whatever they can build, and that's going to be customized to your needs. That's pretty good, right? Um, I mean, you could do a lot with, you know, you name it. Like, uh, just, just I, cut I, it in half for like thirty million dollars. I'd be like, for thirty million dollars, you can build yourself a really good monitoring system internally that does only what you want it. I, I think buy and have a lot of money saved over, right? And have a, yeah. I don't, I mean, maybe you could even buy like Xenos or something. <laughs> And, and get like a mature platform with the, with the revenue stream. Yeah. You could have, there are, I don't know, Xenos is a good question. I mean, that in itself is a good question, but like there are certainly entire companies that can be purchased for less Absolutely. than $5 million. And if you just like, this would be the equivalent of like when Amazon buys like a robotics company and they're like, yeah, we just want it for our warehouse. Like we don't, Get rid you of know, this. We, you know, their customers can can eat it. Yeah, you literally could have done this, or you could have just maybe walked into like wherever you think they do the best monitoring, like Facebook, Google, wherever. You could have just walked in and been like, "I need uh, like ten software developers, another ten people in testing and product, um, and uh, I got thirty million dollars. Who's in? You know what yeah. I mean? Just, just a just, lot of nagios with that. <laughs> you you know you you brought up a good point earlier, uh, Brandon. Is like. It does make you wonder, like, like if we if we are to do some quick like thinking, right? Like, there is most every country has their own like like stock exchange, and sure, they're not as big as like the Nasdaq and or like the what do they call it over in England, the FTSE or the Nikkei or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I used to listen to NPR, so I know oh, yeah. those words. Uh, but like, if you if you added all those up and with kind of like a bill sort of like this, it seems like that would it might end up being more money than in like the systems management category so there's no way that like that amount of money like like it's i don't know maybe maybe uh uh like you know the nasdaq is paying 65 million dollars for monitoring a year that that just seems like i don't think so like it it seems kind of nutso well, until this number, I would have said that's totally crazy. But now I'm literally rethinking everything I've ever thought about monitoring, like I said earlier. And so, and I will also, this is now, anytime I ask this question, you, everyone can just send it to me. It's like, I just don't understand why people keep starting monitoring companies. And it's like, now when someone says, now I understand it. I'm like, yeah, like at $65 million for one company. And some of the other like weird stuff I would love to know is like, who was the account rep on the data, on uh, the Coinbase account? And were they just like, and what's the commission cap? Were they like, this is the greatest moment of my entire life, right? Like uh, you will, as a sales rep, I, I don't, I mean, if there truly was treated as one account, 
and you're making $65 million. I mean, literally, like, I just can't imagine how much money that person was making to the point, like, I would be there. This would be the other thing where I'd be like, we at uh, Data Dog, we're literally going to stand up an entire group just to service Coinbase. Like, we would just make them their own group, right? And be like, do whatever you need to do for, for Coinbase. Like, just build them exactly what they want. Help help them run their business. Do not let them see the billing report. I mean, if they see the billing report, this thing could be over. I mean, it's insane. Well, yeah. uh, they've got to have like a, definitely a, a, a entire team assigned to the, that account. I mean, when you have like how many uh, people would you guess? Ten people, probably. Customer support, an account rep, maybe a dedicated uh, support rep or two. Maybe even an engineer working on right. features just for them. Right? They they might have like a personal chef on call, like just to like they could fly them over. Sixty five million, yeah. Now 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 didn't didn't that uh, that sixty five million was just like once, right? Didn't it erode away or or like I I forget the. Well, they said going forward, right? Obviously, the volumes have come down a lot. Was that a was that a one year or three year? I believe it was one year. I'll double check. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so it looks like they're going to, you know, obviously something's been done. They're not they're not going to monitor as much or. The volumes are down a lot. And I, you know, the other side of this, I guess, could just simply be like when the company went public at some astronomical value of like, I don't know, billions upon billions of dollars, then like $65 million is a lot of money. Like if you're worth $50 billion and it's literally just about growing, it's like fine, write the check for 65 million. Again, I can't believe I just said that out loud, but like, I guess at this point it makes sense, right? I mean, it seems crazy. Yeah, just just uh, ACH the money three to five days. You know, you might have to call your bank to make sure it's not like a fraudulent uh, wire thing that, <laughs> that, that you're, you're. Yeah, just a, a little bit, a tad bit more. Uh, here's one of the quotes from the earnings call. I guess I believe it's the CFO. Billings were 511 million, up 15 percent year over year. We had a large upfront bill for a client in Q1. 2022 that did not recur at the same level or timing in Q1 2023. Uh, so former for this client, Billings growth was in the low 30% year over year. So, you know, and then I guess something goes on here is that David looking at the math on this large upfront bill that did not reoccur, it seems to be about 65 million. If I'm reading that correctly, can you possibly show? So the, that's where the CFO from Datadog that goes on, and this is where he names it as a, a crypto company. Um, and he calls it like an early optimizer. So yeah, I guess that would have been like if you're the CFO at, at a Coinbase, someone walks in with a sixty-five dollar, sixty-five million dollar bill, you're like, "Yep, we're definitely renegotiating that, and we're definitely turning that off." So I mean, they need to use uh, maybe maybe a new uh, uh, an idea for for your company, Matt Ray. You can have Lean Dog, <laughs> Diet <laughs> Dog. <laughs> well, you know, related to that. Speaking of. Uh, you know, one of the ways that Matt has at least taught me that that you might end up paying sixty five million dollars is if your uh, developers are not top notch in their architectures and what they're doing. And there's there's a new paper. Uh, I guess you would call it a paper because it's from the ACM. Is that the American Computing Motivators? Uh, I forget what ACM stands for, but uh, <laughs> it basically goes over uh, some some recommendations to focus on developer experience now. I think I think it's a fine paper, a lot, lot of stuff to say. But I, I wanted to ask you to right off the bat: Do people still say developer experience or DevX, or was that like a 2022 thing? I think they're still on it. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. It's still, I feel like it still comes up quite a bit. The whole, I haven't been a part of it. I did do a whole part of a journey, the whole developer experience mapping. Oh, the journey. journey. Yeah. I did that That's fun. Previous job. It was Cause, fine. Cause I, cause I, f- I feel like we're easing a little bit off the DevSecOps. Yeah. Right. I and mean, and I, I don't know if secure software supply chain is really like latched on, you know, except as like an interesting flag for an idea. So, you know, I always like to track the, the DevX and, and, I, I still don't. I also don't know if it's Dev the letter X or Dev EX. I feel like if you put EX in there, that implies that you are no longer. I'm going a X. Developer. I just use X, the big capital X. Sometimes you know it's, that's that's the way it should be done. Yeah, maybe 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 uh, you know when we uh, as as we build out more platforms and Kubernetes stuff, and you have a separate platform team, the people who are on that team will become the Dev X's. Like they used to be DevOps and working, you know, with the developers, but now they're the X's of the developers. We <laughs> separate because because it'll be better for the children for the applications that that they're they're. Uh, yeah, they're I did want to ask you, Kote, because you spend a lot of time thinking about developer toil and something. It's like I don't know. I just kind of I do often just feel like, well, doesn't this just apply to everyone? Like there's that mm. book. Uh, I think I put a note in here. It's like Deep Work that by uh, that got a lot. I guess it's sort of like a mainstream book about deep work and like finding, you know, co- focusing in on things right. that matter and getting rid of distractions. And I'm like, I don't know, is this all just a variation? And then I'm sure like somebody else wrote the original paper somewhere. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that's the original book, but I just think that's the one that popularizes. So, so part of me is always just like, I don't know, isn't this sort of just best practices for human life, at least white color. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well to, 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 to in a very rare rare appearance of uh, of uh, filling in Brandon's role, I will I will briefly inform you of what's in the paper, uh, and then we can speculate on it. Which is the uh, the the paper goes over that there are three key things for developer experience, uh, and and they do the thing that I always like is annoy uh, uh, is too strong of a word, but like they they sort of just say like oh you know tools are, aren't the hard thing it's people, and as as I'm fond of saying like tools actually are very hard. <laughs> and also people are also hard. It's like they're both difficult. But it talks about kind of like the context and the environment, the uh, uh, the system that you want to set up for developers. And, and if it's, there's three things. You want to have a flow state, as, as you were kind of just alluding to, Brandon. You want to uh, not have too much of a cognitive load, which is a fun phrase nowadays. I think that comes from the team topology people. Just sort of like it's almost like uh, toil and grit in the mind. Not the good type of grit that we were told everyone needs like 10 years ago, <laughs> but like the grit that slows things down. And then uh, you need the feedback loops, which is sort of just like uh, input on what's going on and kind of uh, I'm, I'm actually not describing the feedback loop stuff very well. But you have those three things there. And I think, yes. So to your point, Brandon, like you read through this and you're like, yeah, that sounds like uh, the ideal state for anyone <laughs> who, who's looking to do things. And you know, I, I I have I've had these thoughts as you can imagine over the years a lot, and I think I think what I've been maybe you two can help me figure this out, but I've been trying to figure out something along the lines of the following: is that whoever it is that like sets up the environment f- for developers and kind of like also does whatever or does not do whatever it takes to like. Uh, either keep things running the way that development is done and kind of prevent it from changing to all these ideal hygienic states. Like, I don't think those people believe or know how software development works. And they still have a view of, it's just like more or less like, this is why the word factory is 
people don't really like it. Developers don't like the word factory, but they think of it more as a factory. A um, Tell me if I'm using this word correctly. Like a deterministic set of boxes <laughs> that you just like feed stuff into the boxes and it gives you an output. Right that, right that you can like you can track down to like the box and like you know all of that stuff like i was talking with someone while i was in london and uh we were talking about this very problem like why why don't people just do the obviously good stuff uh why don't they change over the organization and among other things this person cited funding which i always find to be a bit begotten beguiling confusing as like a reason why something uh doesn't work and so I asked about it, uh, and, I, and by funding, what this person meant was that, well, I'm kind of, I'm oversimplifying it. I don't, they probably don't listen, but if they do, perhaps they could uh, clarify it uh, or, or give the right thing. But by funding, what, they, what it more or less meant was two things. One, uh, individual accountability in the sense of how do you get paid more, right? So it's sort of like if, if you are acting as one team— then how does one know uh, this one person is better than the other and therefore deserves more or deserves not to be laid off, right? And then uh, the, other, the other part of that was just like the good old-fashioned, like, you know, uh, fief building, just like managers and people building out uh, their teams and not wanting them to just be like fungible one thing moving around, you know, like, like uh, just a rack of developers, that you can take and 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 uh, to, to use at your disposal. So it seems like, you know, and, th- and then so there, you know, that's an example of like you read through the uh, the triangle of optimizations. You hear all the years of DevOps practices and you're like, yeah, intuitively that makes sense. So we should just go do that. And then you go to uh, DevOps days again the next year and people are talking about the need to do that in the next year and the next year. And I think I think maybe... It's just like whoever's in charge of how development stuff runs, like they don't really like believe that you should do these good habits. It's kind of like, you know, I I haven't read the Deep Work book, but I've read about it many times. I've also read the book um, Atomic Habits, and it's sort of like, yeah, that all sounds great. I'm going to go. You know what I'm going to do a lot of? Not that. Like, (laughs) I do think it's complicated. To um, kind of like, you know, we talk about like return to work and things like that. But I do, you know, I think your notion about boxes is maybe a good place to start is just sort of like, you know, at the highest level, most companies are hierarchical and you have like a couple of key leaders and, you know, it's just human nature. You have to abstract things. Right. And so in this case, we're talking about development. But the reason I think this applies to everyone else is like there's a product marketing group, there's a sales group, there's a, you know, finance group and all of those jobs when you get in them inside of them require a lot of deep work to figure out whatever mm. build the budget build the messaging create the marketing campaign whatever i mean just pick your 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 and of course writing the code and it's like but i think when you're abstracting it at a high level you do just end up with a bunch of boxes and people don't really associate the fact that there are people in the boxes it's just like yeah i gave this group money and out should come you know what i want exactly and, and, and there isn't anybody at the top of the company's like you know what we need to really focus in on is like is everyone really um empowered to do deep work here are we do we have like long stretches of time where we're not interrupting people and they're building their day around that that never happens right no one's ever asking that question at the highest level so to your answer your question i think that's why we go to the conferences and like there's this level where we think there's some understanding of it but i don't think it reaches up to the executives that are kind yeah of, they have well, their and, own problems. And, and, you know, th- there's this another another thing that's been like like i've been knocking around in my head is like uh the last time i was i was with old uh andrew schaefer he was going over uh 
socio-technical systems or whatever. And I was like, you know, he's always great for this just to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Explain it to me. And like, you know, and, and I, I have since like read some little uh, histories of it. And, and, you know, one of the fundamental moments in socio-technical systems, which is basically like the notion that like, if you have technology that people use, you've got to like engineer the combination of those two things to make it work well. It's like a gross simplification, but you know, it comes from these two studies of how coal miners ran. And like, there was like uh, coal miners who had a command and control environment and it wasn't very good. And then someone was like, what if we let the groups of coal miners determine what they do themselves? And we just tell them the output that we want. And that ran better. Now, of course, as often, so, you know, happens like that ran great. And then some new management came in and they were like, what the fuck is this? What do they know? Like, well, we're, we're going to yeah. do it this way. And so it seems like, you know, like, 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 so I've been thinking, you know, like, what does coal mining have to do with uh, software development? But I, I think it, it kind of cuts both ways in the sense that, like, we do kind of make this mysticalness out of, like, IT stuff that it's like, well, these other rules maybe don't apply and we're sort of special things. We don't actually say that very much, but I think the non-IT people, they sort of regard it, again, as just like a mechanical thing, whereas, like, if you were to go to like a pharmaceutical company, I don't know if this is the case, but I would assume when it comes to researchers, like the executives at a pharmaceutical company are like, well, yeah, I mean, you got to set up the environment so that they can focus on this. Or if you were to go to like, uh, like maybe in banking and finance, like if you have your traders, they're probably like, yeah, I mean, we need to buy them the $300 bucket of guacamole for lunch because they need to have, like, morale and be happy in order to be effective traders. And, like, so, you know, like, if you actually are, like, an executive who, like, knows the, t- the, the, the way that people are working, uh, then you kind of, like, y- you're probably more likely to believe these, like, non-quantifiable like kind of uh well, that's, that's soft kind of sort of things everybody makes fun of it like you know google and and you know the free lunches and the massages and and all that fun stuff on site but um i mean when when you look at their you know the the feedback loops cognitive load and flow state for developers <clears throat> that's like things you want to optimize at the individual level but i th- i think the reason a lot of this doesn't work at the large organization is those same, those same sorts of, of um, processes apply at the, at the business level, at the meta level, right? This concept of a flow state. I mean, when, back when we were in engineering, did you ever feel like there were three months where things didn't change? Right. Mm. And, and so you, you get this, like, if the organization is constantly in flux, you know, executives are coming and going, budgets are changing, you know, the, the outputs expected, you know, Hey, we've got a roadmap and Oh, by the way, that roadmap is really only good for about three months. Right. So, you know, you, you, you introduce all this uncertainty and then all this extra friction about like feedback loops. How do we get like good feedback from the field to engineering? How do we get, you know, how do we make sure that engineers understand what they're working on? I mean, the the higher level things, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, the engineers need to optimize their own little bubble. But it's like they're bubbles inside of bubbles and they all need to be optimized. And that's why, yes. you know, so you can say, like, well, how come this doesn't work? It's like, tell me, a, tell me a, an organization that's well optimized at the meta level. 
You yeah, know, I but, like that. I like where you're going, man. I think a research paper about that would be really interesting. Just some of the things you were hitting on there. So sort of just track like how often is your organizational structure? How many managers does the average person have within, let's say, 12 months, 18 months? How much is that changing? How much is you know the organization turning over? Like all of that would be like really interesting because I do think at the executive level, think about what now let's kind of go up a level and be like, what are executives being told? Like you'll and it'd be a lot of those books will be like, you know, bias for action, inspiring people. Um, you know, making sure everyone's working on the right thing, building a culture. And I think, you know, like I always think bias for action is like one of my favorites where it's always like, what's the difference between that and, and just inciting chaos, right? But like, there's this feeling that like, if you're not doing something, like I need everybody in the office, I need everyone focused, I need to see them, we got to have meetings, right? And it's like, it just feels like sometimes it's just like, well, it's just creating a lot of chaos, no one's really getting anything done versus like, you know, you never hear the CEO is like, you know what I got to do? I got to leave that group alone. I got to like not call them for 40 hours this week and I need to like check in on what they built at the demo at the end of the week. Like no one ever says that, right? It's just like <laughs> no one's ever like, oh, he's out walking. You know what he's doing? He's out walking around. So he's clear headed and he, when he comes back to work, he'll be in a deep state of flow to work on the next uh, architectural improvement. Like I have never heard that said, right? You're like, you always hear like, where is so-and-so? I haven't seen that person. What's taking them so long? You know, I would have thought they would have been done by now, right? That's like one of my favorite phrases. Like I would have thought, like you're executive <laughs> state all the time. And it's like, well, you know, I mean, it, it, you kind of get what you you pay for, right? You get what you, what you want. Well, you, you never hear, you, you never hear like, you know, oh, some project that was delivered. You never hear like, you know, oh well, we kept changing the team out, and you know, uh, you know, people were coming and going. It's it's always like you know when somebody delivers something, it's always like this epic team journey where we were all in this together, and it's like because nothing changed, right? You had stability, <laughs> you know, e even if you're facing some you know crazy you know deadline with a you know a death march, it's like we marched together, right? It wasn't like you know <laughs> we we were still kind of focused on what we were doing. Um, you know, you, but the reality is like when I look at most organizations, I see people coming and going at mm -hmm. every layer all the time. I see changing priorities all the time. I see budgets being adjusted. It's right. And you I think know. you're getting at what you're getting at there is sort of like, you know, maybe it's like it's why inertia and large companies sort of like, you know, like the. The, the company itself almost protects itself because it's like, well, yeah, no, they're protecting like themselves or they brought themselves to a standstill. Yeah. One or the other, but it's just like, at some point you just get to that point where it's like, yeah, you can't really grow it. Right. But you can't really kill it either. It's hard, you know? And yeah. it's sort of our, like our steady state is stopped. Right. And it's just, you're kind of at this weird steady state. And then, every, you know, people are complaining for all kinds of reasons. Like we're either not growing fast enough or there's too much change and you just kind of like, you get stuck in it. So, so I like this. I mean, it's always like kind of your thing about Kote, you, you said like, I don't know, uh, viewing IT, I don't know what your phrase was sort of like this magic or something or like some, you know, magical organization. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, there is something about like, maybe it just highlights like an, uh, it's just a well-written paper that sort of highlights a frustration or problem that exists probably across the entire organization. So in that respect, it's good. Maybe there's a way, yeah. and, and, a way to fix it. Great. And, and, you know, reading through it, like, 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 uh, with that context of like, how I've been trying to think about this, right? Like. I, I think I'm always interested in a new run at explaining to non-technical people how technical people work. And and to the point of what we're saying, how they work is just like any other people, right? Like, yeah. like there's nothing, there's really not that. appreciate a little stability in their work. Right, right. And, and so like, you know, these three things, like if you are 
creating something, I think, you know, or, or if you're just doing anything that's like building, whether it's innovating or just building something like those three characteristics are pretty awesome, right? Like they're things that you want. And then, and then, you know, they do cite at some point that having clear goals and priorities is pretty awesome. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I think, I think, you know, you bring up a good point, Matt, that like, you know, what, what is that old phrase that if you, uh, if you don't know where you're going, you'll get there really quickly. There's some, there's some clever phrase. that's like, if, if, if no you have no, you go, there you are. Yeah. Like if you, if you have, if you have no destination, then you'll get there. Right. Like it doesn't matter where you go basically. And, and, you know, this is like always a problem with strategy is like, if you, on the one hand, you want to be adaptive and learn what your strategy is and discover stuff, but like kind of not really like, like you, like, and I think this is, I don't know, maybe all the academic people out there would know better, but like when you take those, when I, when I think of a lot of the non-software uh, examples out there, like coal mining or like even lean manufacturing, like it's not like every six months, Toyota's like, you know what we're going to do now is make typewriters. <laughs> no, not typewriters. What we should make is uh, special mirrors for satellites. Like they're like, no, we make cars. I mean, at really some point, bad. yeah. At really some bad, point, uh, they were like, this loom, this loom business is donezo. We got to get into cars. But they've made cars ever since. And so, like, at some point, your strategy has to be, like, pretty locked down. Like, we dig coal, right? Like, that's what we do. And we'll let the coal miners decide how they want to operate stuff. Which I think is another another confounder when it comes to software is we sort of are in this area of like we've even got to discover the problem we're solving, which then gets us into the thrashing about. But I don't know. I mean, I think the main thing is like if you have a non-technical person, it's probably this, this might be a little too technical, but you can kind of point them at this of like, look, developers, they're just like all the rest of us. They, there's there's nothing uh, magical about how, how they operate. Well, although I do like to tell people if, if you are a software developer, it uh, behooves your compensation and your employability to actually do make people believe that it's magic. Very expensive, <laughs> complicated magic that's unknowable. Like that. Uh, otherwise, like, you know, why, uh, why, why get paid that much uh, for it? So uh, also, like, uh, you know, uh, in the AI corner, uh, I was very excited to learn that BARD is now available to everyone. But of course, by everyone being a California-based company, what they meant is everyone in the United States. Oh, really? Uh, You're not getting it over? No, no. I, you know, there was this moment last week where I read that and I got to use it. And I was in the UK at the, I was in London at the time. And then I came to the Netherlands and I tried to use it. And I was like, well, of course, everyone hates the EU. So like you know and they want to regulate stuff they want oh so, that's right it's the regulation is the and, reason and, right yes but yes. then i was in london yesterday and i tried to use it again and i don't know if i had some sort of uh some sort of cookie or something whatever that may be but it still wouldn't let me use it even though it was oh, back no. in london so i don't really yeah, i was gonna say quick quick review it's it, you know it's funny it's like they had that weird press re- or uh press conference over in what france right and it was like oh that, everything looks bad and then I don't know. Pretty good. Like it was a pretty quick turnaround. Like I guess obviously they had a lot of this done for Google I/O. It's like it's definitely the thing that I think one thing you really like, Cote, is that's you know connected to the internet, so you don't have to like paste in the URL. Oh. You can just be like summarize Matt uh, Levine's uh, latest article, and it just does it for you, right? And it's like that part is really good. I really like that part. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I got I got access to the plugins for Chat GPT. Yeah, this is. I was reflecting. This has happened to me a lot recently, where like I finally get access to something. 
and then uh it it kind of sucks like and I, I don't know maybe i need to reload my browser but i've i now have access to the the the, the web browser plugin in chat gpt and something called plugins and it has this wording which i should have known it's like you, you know now chat gpt will uh will it doesn't say figure out but we'll figure out when it should use a plugin and i want to be like no 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 I don't want it to figure out, I want to tell it when to do it, right? Yeah. Like, because yeah. I've seen all these screenshots where you can select something. But so, of course, I loaded up the web thing, which is like it can use web stuff. And I put in my old thing, like, I, I took one of my articles. This is the best way to test it. And I was like, summarize this. And I gave it the URL. And, of course, uh, it, it did some summary based on the uh, the URL, uh, mm. which was delightful. And it's like, that's, I don't think I wrote that. Uh, I, I will say, I, having tried to summarize, I like to summarize everyone's newsletter, but I will say, Kote, uh, your newsletters, for whatever reason, seem like they don't, the summary's not good. The, you uh, reference they don't, they don't the, uh, you, some poem, it was in the last one, and it like, it gave me a whole summary of the poem, but nothing else. And I was oh, there like, was a poem there. I'll have to check that out. Uh, it was definitely not what Kote. Well, this, this, it, this, is, this is a blog well, post. I would say that this, was... though, Matt, I actually prefer, like, Matt Levine's newsletter, I think is great to read the summary, and then you can be like, oh, I kind of got it. And then if you want to hear the funny, crazy story, then you can read the rest of it, right? So I wish, I actually believe that all newsletters at the top should just come with the AI summary oh, at the very top. And for you, and just be like, "Hey, read. Yeah. Here's the it's the too long didn't read yeah. version. The newsletters, and, hey, paragraphs. Yeah, yeah. you know, like Here, same thing. Like Ben Thompson. Yeah. It's like great. I, I think he'd be another one. It's like, yeah, just put the Oof. summary at the top. Oh yeah, aggregation theory. Got it. Next next email. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like if you break out something new, I'll go through the rest of it. So, um, but I know Kote, maybe, maybe your style of of writing is is just a little u- unique to Chat GPT and uh, Bard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- this was also a fully copywritten and vetted uh, VMware blog post, so it had to be a little oh, comprehensible. Okay. All right. Well. Now, now that said, but then I, I asked it directly to fetch it, and it was like, you know, it was like as as a large language model, I can't get things from yeah, the web, yeah. and I was like, I just enabled the plugin. I don't understand. And then, and then I also tried to get it to do some math to make it turn on the Wolfram Alpha thing, and then it that didn't happen. So I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with the uh, with the plug. Well, you gotta get barred because I have them. I just have them both open, and they're like slightly different. Good, you know, OpenAI. I feel like just slight differences about what they're good at. So it's like mm-hmm. you just flip between them all day long. So I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully the EU and Google will come to some agreement access australia seems fine it's let me in yeah it's a wild west over here uh, you know, everywhere else it's just like nobody cares you know there's just ai in the streets no one no one <laughs> no one's watching <laughs> just running loose just running loose ai just running in the streets everyone trying different stuff yeah now you know i i, I didn't read through the i think it was 128 pages the the draft eu regulation of ai stuff oh, but i read geez. a couple of summaries of them and uh you know the 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 four things that that i've uh like it's hard. I I should go. I should go. Well, you know, it would be great is to have the AI summarize it. Exactly. Although 128 pages is too much, but maybe that no, that would AI, be. I'll be like, you don't want to read this. There's nothing that that, here. that would be a, a devilishly <laughs> like kind of uh, playfully ironic kind of plugin for this stuff. Is the EU regulation summarizer plugin? I think I think would be would be much much desired by by people. Uh, but yeah, you know, like I think, I think I maybe y'all experienced this, but like I, I was at one of these executive dinners last night, and it was like fully thirty to forty percent of the conversation was about AI stuff. And I have to say, I'm still astonished when I meet people who haven't like just like used it or like you know experiment with enough, because they're often the people who like have the most like obviously like questions and concerns and things. And 
I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm too much of a, a optimist, but I feel like yeah, once you use this stuff, you kind of stop worrying about it destroying humanity. Like it's not really like <laughs> I think that coupled know. with like watch like a reasonably detailed summary, maybe like a forty minute summary that goes through that does get into the mathematics a little bit that shows you how it uses tokens and it converts them into you know basically math equations and then it basically uses as weights and then you're like oh okay like this is just really really uh if you will matrix algebra at like this incredibly high scale but it's not it doesn't it isn't that confusing when you kind of like the idea that you could do it all in your head for trillions of things is incredible like it's like wow that's amazing what computers can do but once you kind of see it you're like oh i get it that's oh that's why i had to take that stupid class in college now i see why everyone was so interested in the in matrix uh multiplication and everything i thought that was a waste of time so. yeah yeah and, and then maybe maybe the 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 most interesting thing in the the eternal conversation about the AI stuff that people people have is uh, I I I'd, I'd read about this here, but this is actually the first time I I talk with someone who had been like experimenting with with using like Chat GPT stuff for like product management tasks, just like coming up with the personas and coming up with stories and like you know it totally makes sense, right? Because that's the kind of thing where like you have a, a formal template that requires like this content, depending on whatever product management methodology and lifestyle you're living but like you could kind of just like loosely describe what you want and then have like very nicely formatted and filled out ways of doing stuff even having it kind of like prompt you for doing stuff which is like i mean you would know better brandon than i would but i feel like that's like well, there's like a month's worth of work we don't need to do now. No, I totally think so. And I think that's where it, it is just great. When you give it like four sentences of kind of what you want that are maybe not well, wit- well written or maybe need a lot of cleanup, but like the core thing is inside of it. Like you've gotten your idea like reasonably well in there. Man, that I think these AIs I, from that, the fact that they can then turn it into like a very well written, you know, long document in almost any style that you ask it, you're like, absolute miracle like that's where i have the moment of like i've seen the future this is like a million times easier to use so i love yeah i i think well you know maybe maybe this isn't quite a turing test but to the way that you would test the intelligence of an ai is you would ask it i would like uh to create a product that can bring in 65 million dollars a year (laughs) and and if it answers SaaS based monitoring i think i think you've got a real winner there uh, and and you can just kind of short circuit a lot Thanks, of uh, years of work. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of short circuiting, lots of years of work. Uh, there's a lot of conferences coming up, and if you want to uh, go see them all that we have listed, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and uh, softwaredefinedtalk.com/slash/four-one-five. I used to work there at the four-fifteen group, or no, four-fifty-one. Uh, I'm missing a few numbers there. I, I needed someone to correct that, maybe the AI. But the next one I'm going to be at is going to be June 1st in Brussels at the uh, the VMware, the, the VM, the VMUG, the, you know, VMware user group there, which will be great. And um, I've been doing several webinars and I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll have a presentation at PlatformCon. Uh, and uh, I think, Matt Ray, are you going to be at the FinOps X June sure. 27th to 30th? Yep. Yep. In San Diego. Oh, that'll be a nice time to be in San Diego. Absolutely. And then uh, there's many other ones in there, but I'll just mention two briefly. The uh, the VMware Explorer uh, Barcelona uh, call for papers is open, uh, and that's going to be in November. And, of course, there's we have Spring 1 and VMware Explorer wrapped up together, and that's going to be August 21st and uh, 24th. And then I'll be speaking at DevOps Days Des Moines 
in Iowa, September 6th and 7th. And I was thinking, if you listened to the after show uh, last week, if you're interested in us going over your conference, uh, you should you should uh, talk to us about a media sponsorship. That that would be fun, and then we can uh, we can mention them in there uh, more proactively. But do we have any bureaucracy uh, that like uh, you as a uh, uh, human size language model, Brandon, have taken care of? <laughs> yes, I'm definitely human size. Uh, just a few things. One, thanks to uh, Michael Neal over uh, over there by uh, Matt. He gave me a blue sky invite, so I'm on. We've got the official software defined talk account because Kote got us another invite. Kote's on. So when we get Matt Ray an invite, we'll be able to uh, officially launch and take over Blue Sky, which I'm sure everyone's uh, waiting for. Uh, but until then, we're on every other social uh, media platform that we can at least uh, sign up for. Also, if you would like a sticker, all you have to do is send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. So uh, Matt Ray, what do you yeah. have to recommend this week? Uh, my recommendation uh, this week is uh, I listened to Daniel Suarez's audiobook for his new uh, book, Critical Mass. Um, it continues the uh, the asteroid mining saga. Uh, apparently, it's going to be a trilogy. So this was book two. That's uh, a big out. asteroid. Uh, yeah. Well, yes. Um, but it's, uh, it, you know, if, if you're a, a fan of the... Uh, Sci, you know, the space sci-fi genre. Cyberpunk, it, right? Isn't that what it how, is? Is it cyberpunk? Cyberpunk? No, not really. Uh, it's mm. it's more like uh, you know, near space exploration kind of stuff. Asteroid know. punk. Yeah, uh, I don't know what you call it, but I don't know. I read his earlier books. I wish I thought. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were I, it, it's maybe not. Yeah. yeah, it's you know, it, it's it's uh, entertaining, and uh, the audiobook uh, I got it off of. Uh, uh, Libby, thanks, Austin Library. Mm, um, good old Libby. Yeah, but uh, it goes hand in hand with my other pick, which is the the Sydney Half Marathon. Um, I, you know, I've been listening to audiobooks as I run, and uh, you know, it's a good way to listen to something for two hours at a time. So this weekend, Sunday, uh, Sydney Half Marathon. Uh, see you there, man. Maybe I'll start running marathons so that I can have two hours to myself. That's, exactly. That'd, that'd be wonderful. Uh, well, it cuts into my podcast listening, though. So oh, that's a bummer. How about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend? Well, I often uh, I don't really run marathons, but I just like to uh, track any workout I'm doing. It's just another thing to like keep me occupied when I'm working out. So I just uh, threw out my old Wahoo. Uh, um, what is it? I guess heart rate sensor that I had for like 10 years. It finally just was like too sporadic. And I I just went to Amazon, got the most popular one, the Polar HI. H9 heart rate sensor does exactly what you want. So uh, if you're running marathons, I'm, I don't know. I'm sure Matt has more advanced stuff. But if you're just yeah. like me, you're just like well, all I try to do is just like have data to keep me interested in whatever activity I'm trying to mm. like slug through as I'm usually listening to a podcast or audiobooks as I'm doing it. So I like this one. It pairs up with all the Apple stuff. You know, it's good. So uh, if you like the data, you know, you should do it. You should check out the Polar H9 heart rate sensor on Amazon. Hmm. Well, I have a very uh, not the type of thing that people who run marathons uh, and and uh, monitor their heart rate would be interested in. I picked these up when I was in London uh, last week. The uh, the Piper's Great Berwick Longhorn Beef Crisp. Now, crisp, of course, is the word that uh, uh, those people use for chips, as we would call them in the States. Now, you know, I, I do a little series with my daughter tasting weird European chips, uh, which which is delightful. So, of course, I bought this one, Longhorn Beef, very specific. And I got to say, 
I realize it's been five years since I lived in Texas, more or less. So maybe my flavor buds are a little messed up. But this is about as close as you're ever going to get uh, on a chip to tasting like a charcoal uh, grilled steak. Ooh. I think it's it's pretty good. It's magical. Uh, so I, I think I might be eating more of these in the future uh, if, if I get a well, hold of them. Well, the, the, the tie in there is is uh, when I was uh, doing my, my last trail run at the break stations, they had big bowls of, of potato chips. So just fill them up with the, the Longhorn. Oh, man, if, I think I think if you were running a marathon and you were like winning and you stopped and ate some of these chips, you'd be like, I'll win the next one. I'm going to hang out with these <laughs> chips. It's quite the accomplishment to make it to the chip station. Yeah, yeah, yes. But they, they are delicious chips or crisps, if you will. I think I might have some after we record here. Speaking about having some charcoal-flavored uh, steak chips, uh, you've been listening to Software Defined Talk, which, as mentioned earlier, if you want to get the show notes for this episode, all sorts of news stories we didn't cover, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 415. Now, you can also just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and find out how to join our Slack community, there's all sorts of active things going on in there, uh, links that are going on, commenting on news and other items and uh, other sorts of nonsense. Uh, and with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. And to everyone that watched on the stream, it looked like no one really liked this uh, mobile. <laughs> <laughs> so, but again, like, I, once I commit to, uh, as Matt knows, once I commit to like a video format, like I just, I don't, I'm afraid to change anything because of the recording. So, uh, so if you suffered through this one, I know we lost Michael along the way uh, and several others. He actually sent me a picture of what it looked like on the uh, uh, fire stick for Amazon. Very bad. Oh, I thought he was making a joke that he was on a fire stick. No, no. It, like, it's like all scrunched. It's way crazy looking weird. So anyway, so uh, uh, we'll say, uh, I was about to say mission accomplished, but uh, test fail. We'll say this is official fail. So uh, next well, we've, we've learned, learned something. Yes. We have. We've, hey. we've learned, yeah, we this will have a learning opportunity. A blameless retrospective where we blame Restream mostly for this. Um, so, all right. Well, everyone else, uh, thanks for uh, watching. Hopefully, we'll be streaming this time next week or around this time. So, talk to you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye.